going to go into exact launch instructions for your 14-day perpetual launch pieces of your campaign, and also I'm going to give you the exact testing process that I use for testing the, the sequence. Okay, and I'm going to give you on the exact launch instructions, I'm going to literally give you a sample um, idea of what those emails can look like. And then on the testing process, I'm going to give you the mechanics of making it happen. I'm going to focus primarily on the concept. I'm going to tell you what, uh, what needs to happen. This can be done manually. Uh, or it can parts of it can be automated. Obviously, this is something that you're, it's not something that you're involved in every single day as you're collecting data in your list. You could go back once every 60 days and then study the data and then make the the, uh, the changes. So, what we're going to do is I'm going to be thinking along the lines of as I teach this. I'm not going to obviously go through six product launches because they're all going to follow the exact same formula. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to create. We're going to imagine that we've created our first product, and I'm going to give you what could be a sample launch. And I'm going to give you some ideas for the emails that are going to go into this launch. But I want to make it very clear that there's probably a hundred different ways that you could order these emails. Okay, I believe that that the, the method and the order that I use it's pretty much the same as I've used with with minor tweaks and changes for several years. And it, it, it's a model that works, uh, but at, at the same time, I, I do not want to imply that other models wouldn't work for a pre-launch sequence. There's many ways to do it. And in fact, in the past, I've taught other possible sequences. And if one of you were to come to me today and say, I, really, I need you to help me craft my own product launch, and I'm going to hire you to work with me on a product launch, you know, if I was starting your product launch from scratch based on your product, based on your subscribers, I might do things in a little different order. So I just want this want you to understand that this is a suggested order. This isn't this is the only way to create a product launch. Okay. What and and there's one more concept and that is that it doesn't matter if this 14-day period of emails is perfect. It only matters that you put those 14 emails in place. Over the testing and tweaking process, you can isolate emails that work well later, and you can isolate the ones that don't work. You can pull them out and replace them with new ones that do. Okay? However, if you try to spend all your time trying to write the perfect email, then you, you, sometimes you never get the entire sequence done. Okay? However, if you, if you put the 14 emails in there, and let's just assume only five of them are any good, your testing will show you the nine that don't work, and you write nine new ones to replace those nine old ones, hopefully using something that you've learned from the five that do work. Okay? And then maybe two months later we go back in and we look at those nine that didn't work before, and we find that three of them work now, and six of them don't work. So now the next two months we work on the six that don't work. And maybe we find that now only four don't work. And over time, it may take six months or a year, now you've got 14 emails that work. Now, doesn't that mean that one email will work on its own? It means that as a sequence, one email after another, people are building the right kind of trust to make the right kind of purchase from you. And that's something that you it's very difficult to just script right off the bat. You simply write the emails. You can write all 14 emails in one sitting, literally, upload them all, and let them run. And then 60 days later, 90 days later, or 1,000 subscribers later, whatever the number is, you can go back in and you can figure out which emails are producing sales and which ones aren't. I'll show you how to do that. 
Okay, what I like to do with the launch sequence, the first launch sequence, I like to have between five and seven days of pure content. Okay, now this pure content can be ebooks, it can be MP3s that you've recorded, or it can literally be content in an email. And that's the easiest content, and it's the lowest risk for the reader. They don't have to open an attachment. They don't even have to click anything. All they have to do is open the email and read it. And what I find is that, that if I write in these five to seven emails highly relevant, great tips and techniques, that people like the material and they'll open these emails at a higher open rate than if I'm just sending them a bunch of links to go to. And that's what I like. I like people wanting to get tomorrow's email. I want them to want to open up tomorrow's email and read it. The only way that they're going to want that is if in yesterday's email they learned something they didn't know before. Okay, now there's two ways that you can do this. One is if you're looking at a more advanced crowd in your niche, then you could literally only focus on advanced techniques, tips, techniques, that type of thing. If you're dealing with people that perhaps need to know sequentially how to do something, then you've got seven emails that you can write to teach people step-by-step -step how to do something. Okay, and maybe it takes two emails to teach somebody completely how to do something. That's okay. It gives them a reason to come back tomorrow. If they read email one, you give them half the instructions for doing something, and then at the end of the email you say, I'll, I'll finish this up tomorrow. Then they read tomorrow's email for that purpose. And then there's a reason for them now to read email number three. That's what I like to do for the first five to seven days. Okay, then at this point, I'm going to um, – I'm probably going to have a couple of emails that will get them involved with me personally. Now, one of the email types that I like to use is a discussion type of an email. So I will send out an email that is perhaps on a controversial topic. It may not be, but it, it will be a, an opinion type of a thing. The reason that this is opinion, I've been giving people fact to build relationship. I've been giving people fact to build credibility. Now what I want to do is get them involved emotionally with me. And I don't care if they disagree or not. I want them to get emotionally involved. If they agree with me and they get emotionally involved, that's great. If they disagree and they get emotionally involved, that's great too. Because hopefully they'll write, they'll disagree with me. We can, I can write some emails back and forth. I can either persuade them to my side, okay, or I can agree with them that maybe in their case their their issue works better, okay. And so it's not a fight; it's just simply a discussion. So this this will be an email that that'll that'll sometimes go on and on about a particular problem I see in the niche, or something I see other people doing wrong, or a trap that maybe they've fallen into, and that it, it you know it, it's it's a horrible thing that people fall into this all the time. But I fell into it, and you falling into it, and it doesn't feel good, does it? Okay, and so it's just this attitude. It's, it's really an email with a bit of an edge to it, okay, and purposely. Okay, now the first seven, first five to seven, do not have an edge. Okay, they're, they're just pure information. Then what I'll do is on day, on this particular campaign, let's say we have, let's say this one's a seven-day, we've got seven days of content. We've got two days of discussion. The first day will be a discussion. The second-day email will be a response to the discussion. And so what will happen is, even though you're putting it into the autoresponder, once you put the first day of these two days into the autoresponder, people will respond and they'll say, you know, I disagree with you. Um, I like what you said. Boy, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, boy, I'm, un un I'm unsubscribing. You're so off base. It's not even funny. Okay. You mean they'll, they'll respond. Then you can write the next email based on their responses. 
you, you can write it down. Now, please notice that next, this, this number nine email may not be able to be written until a number of people have gone through this sequence. That's okay. You still write all the other emails, and once you write this email, like we were talking about earlier, slicing and dicing, you just cut into your campaign, slice this new one right in, and there you go. It's in there. Okay? Or you could put a placeholder in there for the next day. You can just guess what people might have said and then, and then you know, respond to what you guess they might have said. And then when you find out what they really said, you just change the email to match what they really said. So let's just say that the overall response is that people disagree with you. Then you write your next email, and it says, wow, the response I received from yesterday's email was phenomenal. And 70% of the people that wrote back were angry with me. They disagree with me vehemently, and this is why they disagreed with me. Put their argument out. Say, this is what people thought. Okay? Now, you can do one of two things. You can argue it right there in that same email, or you can ask the question. So what do you think? What do you think? Do you think it's better to do this, or do you think it's better to do – and then you suggest what you've, what, what you've talked about. Maybe you add another point in. Maybe you argue a little bit strongly. Okay, and then at the end, say, hey, what do you think? You want people to respond to you here. Okay, and so now you've got people responding. Okay. At this point, you're going to – the next step is not necessarily going to be in the autoresponder. People are going to respond to your email, and when they respond, you're going to respond back personally, and you're not trying to sell them anything. You're just going to respond back personally. Whatever they say, you respond just like you would if your friend asked you the same question or said the same thing. You just respond. It's an email. It's no big deal. Okay. Then the following day, what you can do is you can send an email out. Now, keep in mind that I'm crafting these discussion emails so that they're bringing up the hot points in my sales letter. Okay. So I'm selling something in their niche. I'm selling something that solves a problem. Every time we sell in something in the information world, we're selling something that solves a problem. And so we, we, what we're doing here is we're digging up the problem a few days before we're going to sell to them. So then what I do on the third day is I can write them an email back. Okay, this is, again, a going to the autoresponder that says, how would it feel if you could overcome and then name what the problem is, have complete freedom from it, and be able to and then name whatever what your solution would do for somebody. You're not even telling them there's a solution coming. You're just asking them, hey, how would it feel if you could have this solution? And then you sign it and send it off. A lot of people will respond back with, wow, that would feel great, et cetera, et cetera. Don't respond to those emails. Okay? You want to leave people hanging because the following day, you're going to be sending out a sales letter which solves their problem. Okay? And so the following day, you're going to send an email out that says, announcing, uh, announcing my uh, program that solves the XYZ problem. And then there's a link to the sales page. And then what we're going to do is the remainder of these days, what day are we on? So we're on 8, 9, 10. So the launch might go out on day 11. And so then on days 11, 12, 13, and 14, we've got four days we're going to send out emails that continue to promote the product. Okay, and so these might be take another look at this page. These might be what are your thoughts after reading this, this letter? What are your thoughts? And people respond. A lot of times people buy instead of responding, which is, of course, what you want. And so then what's going to happen is they're going to end up at the end of this 14-day period, and now they're going to roll into day 15. Okay? And then that will be the beginning of your next 14-day period of time. Now, this first launch is a little different from your next launch, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Before you do your next launch, 
remember the first launch, the first 14-day period of time had a seven-day relationship building period where we just gave them free content. We're not going to repeat a seven-day period of free content again. Okay, we're done with lots of free content. We're going to give them some free content. We're going to give them a day or maybe two of free content. Then instead of having three days of discussion, we might expand that to four to five days of discussion. Okay, and then we'll do another product launch. The same formula happens six times in a row with the various different products. And those discussion emails are going to be based around the problem that you're trying to solve in the sales letter. The whole idea is that you're setting people up to be really thinking about what their problem is and how badly they might like to have a solution. Okay. Uh, any questions on this product launch, uh, these 14-day perpetual product launch sequences? Any questions on that concept right there? Or any questions on those emails? Can you hear me? Yes, Leonardo, go ahead. So let's, I've got six different products and they're all related to different types of marketing you can do for your salon. Um, before each launch then, I'm giving them a bit of free content related to the particular product I'm launching next and then we're going to have four or five days discussion of the particular product I'm launching next. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Okay, now, the first time that you ever do that discussion sequence, it's going to be difficult to do it in a vacuum. And so yeah. what I recommend is for the very first time that you do it, you try it live as a broadcast sequence to your, your list if you have one. Obviously, you do. You, you, you try it out live. You do a four or five day discussion period, and you'll naturally write the next email based on what people said the day before. Okay, that's how I write most of mine. I just try them out live. I try them out live in a broadcast scenario. I send out the email to everybody on the list, whether they need it or not. Okay, or a portion of the list, whatever portion I need to get enough responses to get me heated up. Okay, because that's what I want. I want to stir up discussion. I want to create emotion and I don't care if it's disagreement I want emotion I want people digging into their problem I don't care if they agree or disagree with me I want them because if they agree excellent cool great they're ready to vote for me if bye bye if they disagree I want that out because if they disagree now they're going to disagree on the sales letter I'd rather have it out in the open so I can uh, I can deal with it okay and if when I'm doing my test one with a broadcast sequence, I send an email out. It's a discussion email. The next day, there's a response from people in my email box. I respond to everybody personally, and then I write an email based on my average response to everybody. And then once I've written that email, I can say, okay, great. That's the email that's going to go into my, my launch campaign. That's the email that worked in the broadcast. Hey, it's going to work in the follow-up sequence. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, I want to stress that for somebody that does not have a list, that they don't have anywhere to send this test broadcast sequence out, don't wait. Create it. Fake it. Literally imagine what someone's disagreement would be and then write an email that deals with it. It doesn't matter if the email doesn't work. It doesn't matter if the email flops. Using the testing I'm getting ready to share with you, you're going to be able to find that out 
obviously you're going to get real responses from people, and you can just plug in and rewrite that particular email. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, excellent. All right, are you – any other questions on this launch process? Okay, excellent. Here's what I'm going to do now. I am going to show you how to test this 14-day period of response. That's what I'm going to do for you next. Um, find out which 14 emails are performing and which ones are not, which ones are adding to the sales, which ones are pulling away from sales, which ones are hurting your sales, and which ones are helping your sales. And when you find emails that are helping your sales, you leave them in, and you make new emails that work a lot like them. Okay? You find emails that are hurting your sales, you pull them out. You find sales that don't really matter. Long run, you want 14 emails that all connect with people. And by doing this process over time, your emails will get better and better and better and better. Even if you start and you're a horrible email writer and you just write 14 really lousy emails, a couple of them will do better than all the rest. And then there's your starting point. And you just keep improving a couple emails a month. You keep improving. Over the course of the year, you've got a real good set of emails that you don't want anybody else to know. You don't want your competition to know these are working. So don't brag about them working because you don't want anybody copying these emails because you want them to not know if they work or not. Okay? Because these are going to be – you spend a year tweaking your 14 emails. Wow, you've got something great going on, and you'll have it six times in a row. Okay, so now we have the the, uh, the testing process. I'm going to give you just literally this testing process. Okay. First of all, you'll need 10 or 15 buyers to begin this testing process. Now, you know, for you know, for scientific, for science's sake, I realize 10 or 15 buyers is not enough for us to be statistically significant in our results, okay, for anything that's going to happen here probably, okay? And if you're, you're, you're in a position where the first few months you do 100 sales, excellent, that's even better, okay? But if you only have 10 or 15, you're going to be able to use the information I give you as a guiding information. You're going to make adjustments. Some of them won't be perfect. It's okay. As you get more people in and, and more people make sales, then you'll be able to tweak this over time. So let's just say that you have 10 or 15 buyers. You're going to begin to see a pattern in the emails that they clicked on and opened. Okay, and the way that you're going to do this, we can, if we can imagine a, a grid, you can write this grid out. You can put it into Excel or another spreadsheet model. Okay, but what you're going to do is you're going to have a, a horizontal line for, to represent each email. So in this case, you'd have 15 horizontal lines. One line would be your heading across the top. The, the one column would be one, one line across the top, one row would be called email. And then you'd have 14 lines, one for each email, email one, email two, email three, email four. Okay? And then our columns are going to rec represent the 15 people who bought from us. So we're going to have 15 columns, one for John, one for Mary, one for Sue, one for Bill, one for Beverly, one for Leonardo, one for Glenn. Okay, does that make sense? Yep. Okay, we've got, we've got rows that represent emails, and we've got columns that represent people. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to do this, uh, and uh, folks, there's, there, there may be some ways in various softwares that, that you can automate this next process. And if, if you can automate this next process, that's excellent. 
This is not something you're going to do very often. This is going to be something you're going to do from time to time. This is something that is highly productive, and it's also something you can outsource to someone else. I'm going to show you how to do this manually. You can choose to automate it any way that you want to. Okay, if you can find a convenient way that takes less time in automating than it does to just simply do the work. Okay, and again, this is something that can be outsourced. What you're going to do is in John's column, for example, you're going to go and you're going to make a check mark for every one of the emails that he opened or clicked in. Okay, and, and you could actually have two boxes for each column if you wanted to with an opened and a click. So you could say they opened it, but they didn't click, or they clicked and didn't open, or they both. So you let, the idea here is that you're going to have a check for email one if they did something with email one. For email two, they didn't open it, so leave it blank. Check number three because they opened it. Um, number They opened number seven. Number nine had a click on it. They clicked it. Okay, so you got, you know, John maybe, John bought, and John clicked on emails one, three, five, for this example, let's just say John clicked on emails one, three, five, seven, and nine. Does that make sense? Yes. So now Mary, let's say she clicks on everything. So you're going to have a checkbox for every single email. She's opened and clicked every email. You're going to put check mark, checkbox there. Okay. And then Sue, so same thing. You're just going to go, you're going to check which emails people opened. And what's going to happen is you're going to find a pattern here. You're going to find that, and that remember, these are all buyers. And now what you could do if you wanted to, this would be a lot of work. It would give you a little bit better results, but I don't believe that in the long run you'd get, any, you'd get your results. At the end of the year, I don't believe your results would be better. You might get there a little faster. And that would be to take the 95 people that didn't buy and compare what emails they opened or didn't open. Okay, now... The only place that I really believe that looking at non-buyers would be effective would be to say, look, non-buyers opened a particular email a lot and didn't buy if they opened that email. Okay, so what we could assume is, hey, non-buyers opened eight a lot and buyers hardly ever opened email number eight. Does that help us believe that email eight is killing our sales? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, now... My personal belief is that if you have enough sales to work with and you see that email is hardly ever opened by buyers, okay, but your tracking stats show that email number eight is opened by a normal number of people, then the inference would be that email number eight is opened more by non-buyers than by buyers. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So in my opinion, we don't need to look at non-buyers. Okay, now, again, for, more, for, for better, deeper, faster information, we could look at non-buyers. I don't look at them. Okay, just look at the buyers because that's what's important. So what's going to happen is once you have this grid filled out for everybody, you're going to see that there's commonalities, meaning that almost all your buyers open email three. What does that tell you? It tells you that email three is a great email for leading to sales. Now, you look at email number eight and number 15 or 12 or whatever, and hardly ever does a buyer open email 13 or email 15 or email 11. That probably leads us to believe that email is either bad for the process or that email is neutral. In both cases, we need to rewrite that email. And obviously, in the process of rewriting these emails over time, we're going to naturally get better at writing good emails. Okay. Um, what we want to do 
is you want to do more than just go through the motions and just rewrite an email because it's not working. You, you want to get an understanding of what doesn't work. So this email doesn't work. Why? What's in this email that makes this not work? Think about it. Even if you're wrong, the process of thinking about it is going to help you write better emails. If a particular email is critical to sales, you look at it and you say, boy, almost everybody that opened this email bought. Wow. Then why? Why? Why is this such a good email? The reason you understand why is so that you can duplicate that type of a good email in a future campaign. Could you see how by testing and tweaking one 14-day campaign over a period of time that you might find certain emails that, that with moving around of the topic that you would literally put that exact email except that you change the topic around into your future campaigns because it worked so well in the first campaign. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. Okay. Now, you still have to test the second campaign along, okay, because it might work great for product one, but that email may not work great for product two, and the only way to know it is to test it, okay? Um, and you literally do this for your first product, your second product, your third product, your fourth product, your fifth product, your sixth product. Now, it could be argued that this is tedious. It could be argued that very few other people do this. Well, you're absolutely right, but most people don't succeed in inf information marketing. Most people who don't do this level of, of testing don't succeed in information marketing. Okay? That's, that's what we find. In fact, that's what the evidence shows. Okay? And the evidence shows that those people who become highly successful are many, many times avid testers. I'm going to use the exact system I'm sharing with you, but they tend to be avid, avid, avid testers. Hey, there's one other piece to this process, and that is the sales letters themselves. They need to be in some type of, of you know, website optimizer or some type of analytics program that allows you to split test the various parts, so the headlines, the prices, et cetera, et cetera. That will be operating on a stream all by itself. So you'll be constantly working on improving the sales letter. You'll be constantly working on improving the 14-day campaign. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you were to spend one year constantly improving a 14-day campaign and simultaneously constantly making changes to the sales letter in, in accordance with the results from website optimization to tell you if a particular thing is working or not, after one year of constantly working this and sending enough traffic through to make it make sense, Okay. Would you not get in far better results than constantly rewriting emails to send out and hope people buy on a daily basis? Yeah, you're going to develop a perfect, or well, as near perfect as you're going to get, way of communicating and selling these products, aren't you? Because you're just going to keep testing it, improving it. And as long as you're in a niche where people buy stuff and, as you say, you've got the traffic, it's going to make a massive difference. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm having to make the assumption that somebody has traffic. I'm making the assumption they're in a profitable niche. I'm making the assumption that, you know, that, that they've got something to work with here. Okay, I'm obviously making those assumptions. But what, what happens is, although your initial 14-day campaign may not make you as much money as just slamming out broadcasts. In the long run, three to six months, two things are going to happen. Number one, 
those campaigns are going to begin to outsell your broadcasts, which obviously from a dollar perspective means it's a good thing. But number two, imagine if you have six 14-day periods, and let's just say that you never choose to create another entry-level product again, and you just literally repeat every, every six 14-day periods. So every, what is that, every 12 weeks you just put people through the same emails all over again until they finally either buy or leave your list. If, if you had that automated for, say, a two-year period of time, okay, would that, would that not give you an incredible amount of freedom knowing that every single day that you woke up, that as long as you drove traffic into your funnel, that there would be people that would be going through every single email in your campaign every single day, and some of those people would be making purchases, even if you weren't thinking about finding a way for them to make purchases? Yeah, that, I totally agree with that. It's going to be powerful, and it gives you the freedom to do whatever else you got to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.